0: My name's Adrian Goldberg, and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times is what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report, and what TV doesn't tell you. This time, a US special Roe versus Wade, Trump, and the latest on the January the 6th hearings. We've got Emmy Award winning journalist Heidi Sigmund Kuda with us. She reports on the Radicalized podcast, and Sean Norris from Byline Times. Before that, though, just a reminder that the Byline Times podcast is funded by subscribers to the Byline Times, our brilliant monthly newspaper. We can report without fear or favor because we don't have to dance to the tune of a wealthy proprietor. Instead, our funding comes from ordinary readers like you, taking out a subscription to the byline times so please subscribe if you can it is a brilliant monthly newspaper you get details of how to subscribe over on our website at bylinetimes.com that's at bylinetimes.com and if you have already taken add a subscription Thank you. Right then, Heidi, Sean, where do we start? The latest January of the sixth hearings were explosive evidence that Donald Trump attempted to coerce officials at the Justice Department to lie about his false claims of voter fraud. Incredible evidence, really. But that was eclipsed by the news that the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, knocking down the constitutional right to abortion.
1: Where do we start? I mean, (laughs) it's been a hell of a week. Um, I guess for people in the UK, you know, on a Friday morning, we woke up to by-election news. And then in the afternoon, everything had changed. The whole world seemed to have changed. And Roe was gone. (laughs) Um, I think the first thing to really understand about the Supreme Court decision is that it means that up to 26 states will soon be banning abortion already over in the first three days since the decision, six states banned abortion immediately. Those 26 states that will impact on 64 million women and girls, that's 64 million women and girls who have had their right to bodily integrity just stripped away overnight. And what this means fundamentally is that women will die. We know that when there are abortion bans, women die. We know this from Ireland. We know this from Poland. We know this from countries in the Global South, such as Kenya, where 2,500 women die from unsafe abortion every year. We also know that the worst affected women will be those who are living in poverty, women from Black and minority ethnic communities who are more likely to be in poverty. And perhaps one of the like striking ironies of all of this is when the Missouri Attorney General signed in for ban on, on Friday, Friday afternoon UK time. He said that this was a great day for the sanctity of life. And Missouri continues to have the death penalty. It continues to have high levels of gun deaths. It continues to have high levels of maternal mortality rates and high levels of domestic violence deaths. So this is not a state, this is not an attorney general who is interested in the sanctity of life. He is interested in controlling women's bodies. And that's what this change is. It is about control of women's bodies and male entitlement over women's bodies. And and that is so true, but that's, that's part of it.
2: It's also about making sure that there is um, white male property owner rule again, um, because what happens in a state like Missouri, where women become felons if they uh, disobey this egregious uh, law, is that they will then not have their voting rights. And that is happening potentially through half the country. So if you want to look at it about control, yes. Uh, Certainly not about sanctity of life, because what about the women who will bleed out because of this law? They're not concerned about their lives, but they are absolutely concerned about uh, taking away what we have, um, what's been hard fought. And so if women lose the privilege to vote because felons can't vote, and then of course, you know, as Char knows, there's absolutely nobody that they're not coming for. So they're coming for gay marriage. They're coming for civil rights. Um, So this is part of the authoritarian capture that we all have been warning people about. And quite frankly, we interviewed uh, my friend Monique Camara in Italy today, and we are looking at a global fascist coup. And this is part of that.
0: And Trump is part of this, isn't he? Because the three Supreme Court judges who overturned Roe versus Wade. Conservative judges are Trump appointees. His legacy continues.
2: Well, yes. And that. Yes, exactly. We knew uh, we knew how uh, serious this would be when he got the Christian coalition behind him. They cared about their judges. They cared. So many were single issue voters. And here we are.
1: Yeah, So when, um, you know, we know that Trump has in the past said that he was pro-choice, he was pro-abortion. He very much switched his view when he became the Republican nominee and became very anti-abortion. When he was in the presidential debates against Hillary Clinton and bear in mind, Hillary Clinton, potentially the most famous pro-choice woman in the world. You know, he had to come out as really staunchly anti-abortion to get the evangelical vote behind him. And during the Las Vegas debate, he started talking about so-called partial for abortion, which is a procedure that doesn't really exist, but which is also right. banned in the U.S. Um, right. And he he said, you know, that he was like, this is a terrible thing that happens. And this is a terrible violation of life and all of this kind of stuff. And one of the um, sort of very famous anti-abortion organisations, the Family Research Council, said that that was the moment when Trump won the evangelical vote. And so having got that vote, he had to, you know, he had to do what he said he was going to do, which was chip away at the right to Roe versus Wade and chip away at the right to abortion. And so, yes, he appointed three um, anti-abortion judges, uh, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. And that gave the Supreme Court a conservative majority, which gave them, when the Dobbs case from Mississippi came up to the Supreme Court, they were able to publish the decision that would overturn Roe and overturn 50 years of safe legal abortion nationwide across the US.
0: I do want to talk more about January the 6th and Trump as we go on, but Sean, you and I have spoken before, and I'm sure this is something that Heidi is aware of as well. Aside from Trump, this whole movement in the united states but it's also a global movement that has impacted upon the uk funded by billionaires to promote these really conservative agendas through front organizations this is the use of dark money money that doesn't really speak its name but which is ultimately traced back to significant foundations in the United States, primarily in order to promote these conservative agendas?
1: The anti-abortion movement is just swimming in money. I mean, it's it's got so much money. And many of the people who fund it are, you know, very close to the Republican Party and very close to the Christian right. So, for example, Betsy DeVos, who was Trump's education secretary, is a big funder of anti-abortion um, so-called religious freedom organisations, as are her parents, the Prince Foundation you know we've got sort of organizations like the thomas moore society and the beckett foundation which were very active in opposing row and a lot of the money that comes to these organizations is filtered through something called the donors trust and it's very very difficult to know who the donors are to the donors trust because of the way that the fund is constructed but we also know that these organizations are spending money in europe they're spending money in the global south Um, you know there's there's an exporting of money and tactics from the U.S. around the world and so we should be very aware of who has been funding this activity in the U.S. and try and trace where they're funding activity elsewhere too.
2: And I will point everybody back to byline times because the uh, bylines that I share that I share with Sharn we've been doing this reporting for two years we've been sounding the alarm on this for two years and I would say that probably nobody knows this stuff quite as well as Sharn. That's why she can recite this off the top of her head, because we've been very hyper-focused on this. And uh, and these are all the same people um, that, that we're finding, um, uh, something like the Council for National Policy, which has its intersection between fossil fuel money, dominionists, ties to World Family of Congress, ties to the Kremlin, of course, This is this is part of a very insidious uh, global effort, and we cannot underestimate it. And we cannot look at a professional propagandist like Trump and not know that when the term partial birth abortion, which, as Sharn said, does not exist, when that gets thrown into the narrative during an information war, This goes back to what we've been talking about for six years. This is part of the weaponization of words and the narrative to create a very strategic outcome. And quite frankly, America is in profound peril. And because we are in peril, that puts progressive democracies throughout the world in peril.
0: Yeah, just on that particular subject of dark money, I would recommend... Anne E. Nelson's book as well. Anne is a a brilliant commentator and researcher in this field. Wrote a fantastic book called Shadow Network. And if you scroll back through the previous episodes of the Byline Times podcast, you will hear a very deep interview with Anne about that. As well as following Sean and Heidi's work at BylineTimes.com. Let's talk about the latest. January the sixth hearings, Heidi, because as I say, certainly in the UK, but I suspect in the US as well, these were rather overshadowed by the Roe versus Wade decision, but the latest revelations were quite shocking.
2: Absolutely, and believe me, in a propaganda war, when we have the bombshells that came out of the January six hearings on a Thursday and Roe overturned on a Friday, It's very hard not to be cynical and not look at that as part of the, uh, you know, disinformation, malinformation, strategic plot. Um, So I did a weekend review for Byline. I called it pure insanity. I'm always using words that are being given to us. Now, keep in mind, Donald Trump came up because the Christian coalition put their, you know, finger on the scale for him. But it's very interesting that they are turning to. The Republican right, the January 6th committee here in America, is turning to the Christian conservative Republican right from his administration to actually tell the truth about how he uh, knowingly and cynically lied to the American people. And on Thursday, we found out he tried to weaponize the Department of Justice. We found out that some of the uh, most egregious uh, conspirators uh, in Congress asked him for a pardon. And when you find out that that he basically, um, you know, the the day before he's accused of falsely uh, accusing election workers of voter scamming and using terrible racist dog whistle words to, to uh, go after uh, two African-American, um, a mother and a daughter, election workers, basically destroying their lives. It's one thing. To, for trolls to come after, uh, many of us who do this work have troll armies dedicated to discrediting us. It's another thing to have the president and Rudy Giuliani going after you. These, these women had to go into hiding. They received death threats. And I think probably one of the worst things that came out of the hearings, or maybe one of the, it's all, it's all so terrible. It's all quite so terrible. But we find out that his big lie, which is a cynical money-making scheme, raised $250 million to fight voter fraud. And where'd that money go? Well some of it went to Trump hotels, some of it went to members of his administration. And hopefully we're going to find out some of it went to fund the insurrection. So that's where we are.
0: Yes. And that was you've written about that for the byline times as well, that the big grift and we've discussed that on a previous episode. But I think this evidence that came forward from the person who was then the acting attorney general, Jeffrey Rosen, his deputy, Richard Donoghue and Stephen Engel, who led the Office of Legal Counsel. They were all lent on by Trump to co-sign to his allegations, false allegations of voter fraud. One of them called this pure insanity, which is where you get your headline from. Now, those three individuals stood up to Trump, faced Mm -hmm. him down. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Without that, the peril Mm -hmm. that American democracy was in would have been very real and very immediate. And that point has been made forcefully at the hearings.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I buried the lead because the person that Trump wanted to put in charge of the Department of Justice, who had no experience and was completely unworthy like many members of his investigation or I mean administration. Uh, His home was raided the morning of the fifth hearing. So that is what was so incredible. He was among the subjects of that hearing, Jeffrey Clark. His home was raided. Federal agents threw him on the lawn in his pajamas. They made a very big statement you're gonna to lie to us, you're gonna to lie to the American people, you are under investigation. And that is a very exciting development because so many people are uh, frustrated that justice is moving so slowly. And for many reasons, for many, most of the history of our country, there's a reason for it. We're not doing the kangaroo courts that you might see in, in some other countries. And that's for our own protection. However, with the world moving at the speed of the internet we are, uh, you know, very frustrated at how long uh, things take. But seeing, seeing Jeffrey Clark in his pajamas as federal agents raided his home was very encouraging. Particularly after we learned what we did at the, you know, day five hearings, which was the attempt to weaponize the Department of Justice. And for your UK viewers, the Department of Justice does not work for the president.
0: The select committee hearings have been criticised by some Republicans in a sense for kind of stage managing what they and Trump supporters see as an attempt to show Trump in a very bad light, to to build up this case against him, to mobilise public opinion against him. And certainly it has been very polished, unlike committee hearings both in the UK and the US, there's been very little digression. Each of the hearings has been quite focused, quite direct. It really is as though they're they're lining up the evidence with which later to come perhaps to charges against Trump.
2: All I want to say is they would be wrong. The, the brilliance of the January 6th hearings is in the under production of the videos they actually just let these stories be told and the fact that they strategically and brilliantly are having christian fundamentalists in many cases conservative the most conservative conservatives tell the narrative so every key moment has come out of the mouth of a republican and when a federalist society judge tells the american people that Trump and his allies continue to be a clear and present danger to democracy, that has some power. And when Liz Cheney, few people are more right than Liz Cheney, perhaps her father, I'm not even sure about that. When she gets up there and tells the American people that Trump lied to you, I believe that that is actually going to penetrate some of his base.
0: John, you and I have spoken before about the state of Women in the world, obviously, there's a concern here about democracy, which threatens all of us. But that sense that The Handmaid's Tale was, uh, I've said this before, was not a work of fiction.
1: I mean, it was never a work of fiction in that she always said, Atwood always said that she drew inspiration from things that had happened in the world in certain points in history in the present. I mean, I, I feel very sad. I feel very, very sad about what has happened i you know it's a terrible it's a dark day for women it's a dark day for democracy and like i say i keep coming back to this knowledge that this will lead to women dying and and we need to face up to that we need to recognize that these decisions that are being made in these courtrooms they're not hypothetical debates they're not sort of Things for us to talk about on podcasts or for leader articles to be written in various broadsheet newspapers. This is women's lives and girls' lives that are at stake, and really vulnerable women and girls who will be worst affected. And I think there was a really interesting piece in the New Yorker, which comes back to the handmaid's tail point, which is that obviously abortion was banned before in the States. It became um, it was banned between a sort of late 1860s and the 1970s. And and obviously, during that time, women died, women struck, suffered, women had unsafe abortions, terrible things happened. But that this will be different because of surveillance and the use of surveillance technology, which can allow states to know if women are pregnant, if, where women are accessing health care, if they're traveling out of state, who is helping them. So we have this whole other layer of tech surveillance around women's reproductive health care. You know, people are saying delete your period apps, like get rid of delete your data from your period apps, because this could be used against you. Whether this will come to pass or not almost doesn't matter because the fear is there. And that fear is so potent and so powerful. But it tells women that you cannot have the same freedoms. You cannot have the same access to rights.
0: And in terms of the sense that this is a global movement i made a podcast a few months ago when the united kingdom decided to reduce its commitment to 0.7 percent of its gdp to international development and pulled that back to 0.5 percent now you might think what's that got to do with this debate what it's got to do with it is that the cuts in international development will directly impact the education of women and the availability of education around contraception and abortion in the developing world.
1: I mean, when those cuts came in, and those cuts are falling quite heavily on sexual and reproductive health um, in the global south and in countries in receipt of aid. And MSI Reproductive Choices, which was one of the leading reproductive rights charities in the world, said that the UK aid cuts will have a bigger impact than the global gag rule did. The global gag rule being the US law that prevented um, organisations receiving funds in international aid if they provided abortion care in any cases you know the funds wouldn't be going to abortion care but if they offered advice on abortion that meant they couldn't get funds so the idea that one of the most hated laws in international kind of development um, that the UK's decision to cut aid is going to have a bigger impact than that is, is shameful. And I actually think we need the... I mean, Boris Johnson, credit to him, did stand up and criticise the Roe decision, but we need the UK government to stand up and say, we stand with American women and we are not in favour of this decision, whether they will or not, considering their own records on abortion rights remains to be seen.
2: You know, we have a lot of... I, I never want to leave people with despair, not when there is action that people can take. So if you have money, you can fund these organizations. There's plenty of them, you know. Uh, If you um, have the ability to protest, we shut down freeways yesterday. People might say, well, why would you do that in California? Because they're coming for us. They just tried to replace our governor, who's very popular, with a phony-ass recall. That was not authentic. That was dark money funded. And so they are coming for us, the person who pushed through this decision said specifically she's coming for California. So people can you know donate, they can protest. Uh, we have a bunch of companies uh, coming out saying from Disney to Amazon that they will pay for a woman's right to reproductive health care if they have to fi- fly her out of the state. We have even cities in Texas that are actually banding together to try to uh, make a commitment that they're not gonna prosecute women who get abortion so as much as we see this as a plot to tear apart our country which is how this started in 2016 with our with the russian you know hit that we that we took probably in both our countries maybe years predating ours the the goal of that propaganda is literally to make americans hate each other and so far it's been pretty successful this is a time 70 percent of the people in america in every state hates what just happened. This is a time for people to come together and and fight back and look for solutions.
1: We won before and we can win again. We've won our rights. We may have had a step backwards, but we can win again and we will win again.
0: Sean, thank you. And thanks also to Heidi Siegmund Kuda. You can read them both in the pages of the Byline Times. So please take out a subscription. And by doing so, you'll also help to fund this podcast. Get more information at bylinetimes.com. That's at bylinetimes.com. Also, while we're at it, don't forget to check out the Bylines app on your smartphone opening up the world of our regional bylines around the uk as well i'm adrian goldberg thank you very much indeed for listening we'll see you again on the byline times podcast very soon thank you and goodbye